and welcome to Delete My Browser History. I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And we are joined today by Melissa Welliver, who is now an official repeat offender, friend of the podcast, <laughs> as it's her second appearance. Welcome, Melissa. Yay! And I didn't interrupt the intro this time. Good for me. I'm learning. I interrupted myself by doing it wrong and having to start again. So that's fine. (laughs) You're still as chaotic as ever. Um, So, Melissa, you have got a new book out with Chicken House. Um, You had your book launch last week. So do you want to tell us a little bit about it before we jump in? Yeah, sure. I'll tell you about the book, not the book launch, because that was messy. So we don't don't talk about the book launch now that's finished. Um, The book is called My Love Life in the Apocalypse. And it's about a girl who falls from the sky to a earth where everyone's been cryogenically frozen. And the android boy who finds her, so the sort of the last boy and girl on earth. And they have to go on a road trip across America to save humanity. Sounds casual. (laughs) Super casual first date. Oh, Sounds so good. And we had a bit of a running joke because um, I had this TikTok video go viral where somebody had recorded the first page of my book and then other people started recording (laughs) the first page of their book. And Melissa was like, oh, the first page of my book is code that nobody can read. (laughs) (laughs) So you can go and see that on her TikTok. (laughs) I did feel that anyway. I started reading it on the train up to your launch, Melva, and I was like, oh my God, Melva's so smart. I know so code and stuff. I mean, obviously, <laughs> presumably it all is actual real and means you couldn't just like make it up. No, of course you can't. No, I know how to program an AI. Um, and I'm really good at programming. I just choose not to. I just choose to write books instead. Like I could be a scientist, but I've chosen, <laughs> you know, this thug life chose me. I did not choose this thug life. <laughs> It's like Naomi Gibson when I read her first book and then I did an event with her and was like, you are so clever, Naomi. She's like, no, YouTube. (laughs) She was like, I can't do any of it. But reading the book, you would think that Naomi was like a top coder. I was very impressed. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. I mean, to be fair, I did used to do some programming, but it was really boring programming. I used to program payroll. Um, oh, right. Yeah, really dull. Like literally the most dull programming. Even my dad, who I worked with, will also admit it's the most dull programming. So nothing as exciting as AI. But I have done like a bit of programming. So there's like some programming nerdy jokes in there. But most of it I did make up. <laughs> so what? What is? <laughs> tell me. Give me an example. Please define what is not dull programming. <laughs> what, make, what makes programming dull and what makes it exciting? <laughs> so true isn't it i mean i guess if you want to like so the conceit in the book is that echo has a broken emote chip and also a broken memory bank so he can't remember anything and he can't feel anything um and it was sort of an allegory about um sort of anxiety and depression and when you're left alone for a long time (laughs) but basically it ends up that even he is bored trying to fix this problem that is how boring it is even in a life or death situation he's like wow this is so boring so yeah to be fair it can be quite boring what's fun about programming is when you're finished it's a bit like writing a book really it's fun when you're finished yeah relief yeah okay well i i feel happy i feel happy now that i'm yeah, yeah. So Excellent. we're going to skip two truths and a lie because we already know far too much about Melissa. Yeah, um, let's not give them any more ammunition, please. Yep, yeah, and we're going to jump straight into what you're going to talk to us about today. So go for it. 
Woo. Okay, so I was thinking a few things. So obviously not going to talk about programming because lol, I've just <laughs> exposed myself <laughs> as a very <laughs> mediocre programmer. Um, I was thinking I could talk about, um, so a lot of the beginning, like the whole first chapter uh, takes place in an abandoned city. A lot of people are sort of saying it's New York. And I suppose in my head it sort of was, but it is quite a long time in the future. And there's been a lot of um, different buildup and stuff in the city. So it could really be anywhere, but it's probably New York. And um, I went to Chernobyl a few years ago. Um, so I always do a dangerous trip with my dad um, <gasps> since he turned 60. So since he turned 60, I'm like, let's do something dangerous every year. So we've like jumped off a building in Vegas and we've been to Chernobyl and we've done all these different things. So the Chernobyl trip, we stayed overnight and explored Pripyat, which is actually the city that when the Chernobyl power plant broke, that's the city that you see in, say, the TV series Chernobyl and also the city that they evacuated. They did also evacuate Chernobyl, but Pripyat was the purpose-built one that they literally had only had open for a few years and people had just moved into with their families and was sort of a ideal communist-type city. So there's just like a washing machine store and a cafe and a... So there's not like any competition. So we went to go and visit and it's been really helpful actually writing post-apocalyptic books for all the stuff in there. So there's a bit in the first chapter, for instance, where they go to a... Well, walk past a football stadium and even though the bots are like looking after everything, he talks about how the football stadium's full of trees. What surprised me, when we went, we went in 2017... So that was oh, 30 to 40 years after the disaster. And I think it was 86. And um, yeah, essentially walking around, everything is just like a forest. And this our mm. tour guide was like, oh, this amazing forest. It's grown around. Like, don't touch the ground because all of the radiation soaks into the ground. So like, try not to touch too much. But we walked out to the other end and she said, what do you think these stands are for? And I was like, I don't know. And she said, we're standing on a football field. So even in that short amount of time, like an entire forest had grown so thick, I couldn't tell I was on a football field until she said to us, we just thought we went through a hole in a wall to a a forest. Absolutely nuts. So yeah, that's what, yeah. Did you have to, could you just like walk around? Did you have to wear, I was going to say, did you have to wear everything? I know you weren't naked. I mean, did you have to wear any protective clothing? So not really, actually. So the way that the radiation has fallen, um, the earth has soaked a lot of it up. And there's Mm -hmm. quite a few animals in the area. So the main, like the most common animal in the area that we saw um, were dogs that had been bred with wolves. So there were like dog wolves around. So apparently when people left, this is kind of sad, Lolly, cover your ears if Lolly's in the room with you, Cynthia. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, so basically, people were told when they were evacuated, they'd be back in a few hours. They were told to leave their pets. Oh. So they did leave their pets. And any dogs that got out basically went feral and bred with the local animals. So there were these dogs. They'd come up to you. They'd look a bit like wolves. Basically, they'd look a bit husky-ish. And they'd come up and they'd roll on their belly for like a belly rub. And they oh. were completely feral dogs. And then all these like army people who are still in the area, because they're still doing lots of well, they were doing lots of research in Chernobyl. Obviously, since the Ukraine war, this is like all changed. But when we went, there were all these people, they'd come out and they'd say like, oh, you know, he's fine. He's very gentle. And you could stroke them. But as soon as another dog came over trying to get the same attention or maybe like a treat or something, they would attack each other. Because oh, they are feral, <laughs> was yeah. very odd. Yeah, so there is apparently a team going around trying to um, sterilize all the dogs so that they don't mm. keep breeding. But we did see a few puppies as well, and it's a very strange oh. place. So no, there is still people living there. Um, but yeah, you just the only thing we found was when you go through each zone in Chernobyl, there's all these different radiation centers where you have to stand with your hands up. It's a bit like you know when you go to the airport, and you get scanned. 
Yeah. And they scan you for radiation. And me and my dad went through one and dad's shoes failed. And they were like, you're going to have to leave your shoes. And we were like, we can't get on the bus back to Kiev because we were staying in Kiev in Ukraine, apart from the one night we stayed in Chernobyl. And it's like, we can't go with no shoes. Like that is, we didn't bring spare shoes. But anyway, eventually they just, they literally got out some baby wipes, wiped them down. Then they checked again. It's like, oh, you're, you're past now. With baby oh. wipes. I know. I did le- end up leaving my shoes there. I was a bit nervous about it. I was, I was like, going to oh. say, I think, yeah, I think that would be a good good note. Like, take some shoes that you are happy to bin at the end. Yeah, which is what I read online. And I'm going to say this, actually, because this is a gross podcast anyway. I actually, from walking around, because I took some shoes that didn't fit me very well because I didn't want to keep them. And I lost both my big toenails. <gasps> There's oh, a good fact. Yeah. They grew back. They actually did grow back, which really surprised me when they dropped off. But yeah. Uh, it was just walking all the time. We walked like 20,000 steps a day-ish, but I wasn't expecting it to be so physical. They don't really explain. They're just like, yeah, we're going to wander around wow. a town. And if I'm honest, and- the town looked a bit like, if anyone's ever been to Stockport or seen Life on Mars, it was just basically a concrete town centre. Like, And it's yeah. very flat and very purpose-built. So I didn't realise how aerobic it was going to be, but we were going up buildings where the buildings had started to collapse and we were going up stairways, like 16 storeys to the mm. roof. And I wasn't expecting it. So yes, I did I did lose both my toenails on this trip. Very dramatic, very dramatic tale. But they grew back. Good. Good and they weren't mutated or anything when they grew no. back. <laughs> I know. Whenever I say that, people are like, oh my God, because of the radiation. I'm yeah. like, no, I wore ill-fitting shoes. So <laughs> <laughs> fell off. It was really bad. Well, it's quite gross, but it's fine now. Got them back. And people now, if I ever do like a summer thing, are going to be looking up like open-toed sandals. Like, well, this is toenails there. And yes, they are. Yeah. So my yeah. toenails fall off all the time. So it's totally yeah. normal. <laughs> it's from like either exercise or yeah, if you wear like a pair of shoes that don't quite fit. Yeah, it's too too tri- too tight shoes, isn't it? Does it? Yeah, yeah. So that's what it was because they did not fit properly. I borrowed them from my cousin because she was like, "Oh, I've got a pair of running shoes. I'm throwing away. They're half a size too small, but I'm sure they'll fix. They're really old. <laughs> they did yeah. not fit. Spoilers: no. They did not fit. <laughs> <laughs> so when you stayed there, Melva, yeah you say was it like a hotel it was like was it an a purpose-built hotel or was it like a hotel that was already there yeah so um it was a hotel that was already there but essentially was built in order to help build Pripyat for all the workers and then Mm. after the disaster now people stay there so it wasn't just um disaster tourists like us going around it was also um so they have scientists who go to obviously uh work under the sarcophagus as it's called uh which is the big concrete structure over the original site of the um power plant that melted down yeah and um yeah so essentially it's like it's just like a it's it's just like a motel so mm. it's quite a small hotel they do have a rule that you can't go out after i think it's um 8 p.m because of bears and wolves and we went in august and it was so hot like Mm -hmm. i've never been anywhere so warm no air conditioning or anything in the hotel because it's just this very cheap hotel for workers and stuff working nearby and also people just like doing tests and stuff nearby and uh it was either sleep in the boiling heat or open the window and all you can hear all night is wolves (laughs) (laughs) because there's barely any people in the area so it was very strange wow is that your favorite dangerous trip that you've done with your dad yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, we've not done one since before COVID, actually, because just, mm. you know, it's difficult to book stuff in. But yeah, like the other ones we've mostly done were like chill trips where we did one dangerous thing. 
So we like went to Wales, but did the 100 mile an hour zip line, or we went to Vegas and jumped off the stratosphere. Oh, but the rest of the time, we were just chilling in Vegas. So it was like a chill trip with yeah. like 10 seconds of horrible just, panic and yeah. fear. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was fine again. Whereas this trip, obviously. So we got into Kiev over the weekend on a Friday, left our stuff in the um, hotel in Independent Square, which everyone will remember from the news now with like all the bombing and stuff that's happening, but it's still standing. Then mm-hmm. we took a bus into Chernobyl, stayed there overnight, which you don't have to do, but it is quite far from Kiev and Kiev is the nearest place really you can get to it. Mm-hmm. And it has quite a lot of, um, it's quite hard to get in because you have to sort of show your passport. And at the time, as I say, things are different now. Um, you have to show your passport to Russian authorities and it's under... It's a bit of a, a weird one about who's in control of Chernobyl and the site. And it's a bit of a strange one. So you do have to hand over your passport and stuff. But obviously, on the way back, it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 really interesting one. But it has really helped with lots of stuff to do with, like, um, the Undang Tower sets, is, takes place after a nuclear war. Some, and yeah. some parts of the country are radiated. So it was really interesting. I had no idea that things could actually recover so quickly. Obviously, yeah. there's still a lot of problems. Obviously, we should not be encouraging nuclear war. However, I was quite shocked. I just thought it would be absolute disaster, a nuclear power plant melting down, and that would be it. But yeah. interestingly, it's ju- it, life finds a way <laughs> to uh, quote Jurassic Park. Life does find a way, though. It's amazing. <laughs> um, like whole forests and animals still there. It's it's really incredible. I mean, yeah, when you think about like, like now is the time of year when stuff starts to grow again and you, like in your garden or in your driveway you see stuff like weeds coming up through a driveway that like we yeah. got a driveway last year and there's weeds growing on the side of it mm. so imagine 40 years later if that was just left unchecked it would be like completely yeah. taken over yeah i think the big thing as well we were told about was footfall so obviously we were going around, but pretty much it's, it's it is a I mean it's called a city. It really was about the size of a, t- a town, and lots of it's overgrown, so you can't even see a forest growing through like the middle of the parks and stuff. And there was pretty much our tour group, and then you'd maybe see one other tour group going around, but really you were on your own. We climbed to the top of a building and just look over this completely deserted town, but also there were all these trees there, and you'd see animals like going across. And they were saying most of it isn't actually to do with the radiation; it's to do with footfall. So I think I put in the first chapter of my love life about um, if you didn't have footfall in New York, I think I read that they would it would be overtaken by plants in about eight months because Mm -hmm. the footfall is the thing really squishing it down. So obviously, if you've got say a driveway, you're not walking down the side of it. Then yeah, it's amazing how quickly it overgrows. So interesting. Yeah. 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 Um. So is there any? Was there anything else that you came across when on your trip that you haven't kind of used? for either of your books yet that you were like that's really cool I'm going to use that one day yeah there was so much stuff on the trip actually that was really cool and you could totally use so definitely the animals um I did use it slightly in my love life for some of the obviously I made the mutated animals when we went round they are not mutated they're not like you know it's not like you see a wolf and then it turns and has two heads or anything like that which again this will sound really stupid but in a way I was expecting well, that and probably maybe a bit disappointed yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're just normal dogs what's going yeah. on um yeah so that was really interesting and also just um 
interestingly, nothing to do with actually the meltdown at Chernobyl, but they've basically preserved, as I say, this kind of communist society. So when we're going round, yeah. all the buildings very quickly, like the ceilings cave in and stuff, and it's essentially all concrete buildings. So they weren't exactly made to last for a very long time without anyone being there. But, you know, mm. we'd just go into a shop and the tour guide would say, what do you think was sold here? And I'd say, well, I see a washing machine. She was like, yes, this was called the washing machine shop. And then you go to another right. one, it's like all pianos. They had a piano shop and it was so bizarre. And it's just this strip mall. And of course, she's like, well, there's no competition because mm. it was communist Russian society. So it was this, they built this perfect town that they wanted it to be exactly like purpose built. Everyone worked at the Chernobyl power plant. We yeah. went around the school districts and the schools were just called school one, school two, school three, school four, school five. And it's just wild. And they all had the exact same stuff in them. There was just a blueprint for a school. Everything was equal. And that was quite interesting. And I've never really used that. But from a dystopian perspective, or possibly mm. utopian perspective, depends how you see it. Like for that, that true communist thing, because they built this purpose-built place in the middle of a forest. Um, the other thing we went to see, which is really cool, is the Duga 3 array. I don't know if you know what that is. So they had, um, so obviously we have a system. Oh, it was tested the other day, our system to tell us we're all about to die. Um, so they had a system uh, during the Cold War to say whether there was a nuke incoming from either um, Europe or the US. And their system was actually, now we found out, so slow, they would only get about two or three minutes warning. So they wouldn't be able to do it. Whereas the American system gave about 45 minute warning. And I think we shared that system. So we had a bit more chance of getting to say a shelter. Um, but they built this huge array called the Duga array. And they use it in filming in the Divergent films as the wall around oh, wow. Chicago. So that's wow. the Duga away. Yeah. So they, they used it there. That, that's really That was really interesting as well. But obviously they... <laughs> had this whole thing where after the Cold War, they wanted to get rid of all their technology so no one would know how bad their technology was. So they, if you walk through it, it's just this huge corridor with a few wires around. And you're like, well, was this just a walkway? And they're like, no, this was the server room. They ripped everything out. So as soon as the Cold War was finished, they just dismantled everything and burned everything because they didn't want anyone to ever find out about their technology. Wow. So that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. It reminds me of the Stranger Things you know, like the, the latest yeah. season of yeah. that like bunker in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I think it's roughly the same year as well. So yeah, it must be 80s, yeah, mid 80s be. anyway. 80s, yeah. yeah. Oh. Georgia, what's the most dangerous holiday you've ever been on? <laughs> wow. um, I also like throwing myself off stuff. I've never done a parachute or anything, but no. I, I went I went to the stratosphere and I did all the um, roller coaster rides and everything at the top <gasps> of the stratosphere. So good. Yeah. And there was one where you, one of those ones where you sit in it, a thing comes down and then it goes like that over the building. So you're yeah. hanging over the building and then it starts spinning. And uh, we all went on it and we're like screaming for our lives. And then I think a week later in the news, it was on the news because it had got stuck. And it it got stuck with everybody just over the stratosphere, oh. like hanging over the stratosphere, like just looking oh down. Um, That's horrible. I told you about when I went to Costa Rica and we all jumped in the river when we were doing our white water rafting and then we found out that there was crocodiles. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Inadvertently dangerous. Yeah. Even but, better. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't obviously don't do, haven't done anything like that in ages, but it's good to go and like, it makes you feel alive, doesn't it? A good scream, yeah. scream your head off. And then afterwards you're like, oh, I feel, that's good. I, feel you good. Have to, I just don't know if it's like, like, like plan no. these things out. No. But 
I did the rides at the top of the stratosphere and it was really funny because we went up and you get a free ticket to those rides if you do the jump. And I'd done the jump during the day. So we went at night because I wanted to see the view at night because um, they have this amazing, if people haven't been, they have this amazing rotating restaurant bar at the top. Yeah. So I went out to do the rides and there was a group there that were all dressed in suits and ties and they were there on like a business trip. And they'd been there when I did my jump doing a drinks reception. So I had to walk through the drinks reception in my like bungee stuff because it's kind of a bungee zip wire. So you you jump off, you bungee halfway and then a zip wire catches you and get, takes you to the ground. So no. you'd like free fall the first half. So it went through and that was like their entertainment. And then we went up and they were still there and they were doing all these rides. And basically they would queue up for each ride. There were about 20 of them and then freak out at the front of the ride and not go on. Oh, yeah. I was there as was a 10 year old child. There was this 10 year old <laughs> child who I don't even know if he was tall enough, even allowed to go to the ride. And he was like, oh, I really want to go on. And I was like, okay, I'll go on with you. And they were like, do you have a responsible adult that says you can go on? And he's looking at me and I'm like, yeah, sure. He can go on. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> So we're like going on these rides together and I'm sat there with this 10-year-old on my own on all these empty rides. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. And I'm like, maybe this wasn't, I am not a responsible adult. I should not be allowed to decide these things. Where is this responsible adult? Yeah, that's anxiety. true, actually. At least I was there in case we got stuck. Like, imagine if we'd been stuck on his own. <laughs> that would be oh. worse. I've been doing some um, research. We haven't got time to do our chat today, me and Cynthia. But in this book I'm writing at the moment, there's this bit where the main character gets stuck in a chair and so I was googling like funny places people have got stuck and then obviously it's just opened this like <laughs> rabbit hole because then it becomes <laughs> things that people have got stuck inside them but also oh. you know dangerous places that people have got stuck and there's so many of like people being on roller coasters and getting stuck at the top of the loop or something and you just yeah, uh, yeah. just when no, I was, um, so scary when I was a kid I went to the fair in Ireland with my cousins and we were on, it was like the waltzers, but it was on a tilt. So it would spin around like yeah. a waltzer, but then it would go up and around on like an angle. And we got yeah. stuck at the top. And because it was like a waltzer type thing, we were hanging backwards. So we just had to hold on. And it was probably for five minutes. Yeah. But, oh God, it felt like forever. Felt like um, a million years. Oh, oh my God. I know. And I was always good on rides, but as I get older, I'm a bit like, why? Why would I want to do that to myself? Just yeah. Not. It's and funny, actually. Even thinking to... about bungee jumping, like my feet sweat. No. <laughs> I know. Horrible. I don't know if I, I would do a natural bungee jump, but um, at Chernobyl, they have a um, fun fair that's still up there. And I think in the, it's been used in loads of films, like horror films. Mm. And there's a, there's a horror film, I think it is just called Chernobyl, the Chernobyl Diaries. That's it. And they have, they use that fairground. And I always thought it was like a permanent fixture, but no, apparently it was just like this traveling fairground. It's just like some dodgems, a, a big wheel. And it just obviously was left there forever. Wow. And it's so creepy. And it's got like proper horror vibes, you know, like um, the dodgers are still there with like vines growing through them and stuff. Like it almost looks like a set, which is obviously yeah. why it's used in so many movies. I don't even know how you would record that. I don't even understand how that's possible because obviously we didn't see any filming crew. Luton could probably pass for Chernobyl. <laughs> well, wasn't Milton Keynes train station in Superman? You told me that. It was, Cynthia. That's a very yeah. interesting fact. Yes, yeah, I told I Luke when I went home. I was like, oh. yeah. He wasn't they as had, impressed as I thought he would be. But. They had no budget for that film, so they they needed a futuristic-looking city, and they chose Milton Keynes. Nice, <laughs> super futuristic. Welcome and to the yeah. same the same walkway as um, yeah, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very cool. 
Right. Okay. We are running out of time, so we're going to have to wrap up. But Melissa, do you want to give us a plug for where you can be followed or what you've got coming up? Yeah, sure. So you can find me everywhere at Meliver, my last name with an M, apart from on TikTok where I'm at Melissa Welliver, which I'm still furious about. But uh, <laughs> so I want to take in Meliver. And really? yeah, you can you can get My Love Life and the Apocalypse in all good bookshops and also on Amazon. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Fantastic. Um, I know a lot of your books have been spotted on tables in Waterstone. So if anyone's near yeah. Waterstones, pop in and have a look. Grab um, a copy, support my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on again. Thank you. Yeah, um, thanks, see you Yeah, see you soon. Bye. 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 Browser history deleted.